friends, this is Dr. Michael Williams, and welcome back to the Diversify Empath Podcast. This podcast explores how investing in diversity can lead to a high return of investment in pathology and laboratory medicine by learning from the knowledge and experiences of diverse voices within our field. My next guest is Dr. Mary Angela Gomez. Dr. Mary Angela Gomez was born in Venezuela, and after graduating from medical school, she spent a couple of years doing social work in her hometown and also traveled to other countries in South America. She then moved to the U.S. to complete her APCP training in SUNY Upstate New York, where she continued to pursue her interest in women's health. She would complete her GYN breast fellowship, followed by cytopathology, pathology, with the goal of becoming an advocate physician for the female group. Outside of her work, she enjoys spending her time with family, learning languages, trying restaurants, and taking cruises. Without further ado, here is Dr. Mary Angela Gomez. So welcome back again, friends. This is another episode of Diversifying Path. I'm here with my next guest, Dr. Mary Angela Gomez. So can you tell us who you are, where you are from, and your pronouns? Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um, well, and Mary Angela Gomez, as you say, thank you for the presentation. I'm originally from Venezuela, and I came to the United States and did my residency in sunny upstate New York, and I'm currently doing my fellowship on Dynam Rest. It's a combined fellowship, and watch you and San Luis Missouri. She here. Yay. Okay. So what got you interested in doing pathology? Well, actually, it wasn't until I got here until I, wanted, I knew that I want to do pathology. I always liked histology and embryology on my like medical school, but I, I always thought I was gonna do OB-GYN. Um, and then when I started doing my practice on medical school and rotations and taking pollen and everything, I saw how the OR schedule works and all that, and I say this is not the life I wanted. Um, so when I started preparing for the steps, in order to get certified in here, I ran into the pathology more in deep, and that's when I say, like, this is what I want to do. And now I'm focusing on women's health. Okay, because of the original interest in OBGYN? Yes. Yay. Okay. So let's, let's step back in terms of your journey from, like, Venezuela to America. And can you tell us, like, what that was like? So I graduated... And uh, by that time, like economics and politics in my country wasn't the, in the best shape. So I got friends that came in here before I did, and they wanted to do internal medicine and other, other medical fields. So they kind of guide me in how to start everything. So I, I decided to come and start preparing for the boards that you guys usually do during medical school as a for internal international students, you cannot do that until you finish your career. Like you actually have your uh, diploma, and that's when you can start applying to get step one, step two, CK, CS, and everything. So 
that took me about two years and then I applied to the match like everyone else uh, before that I did electives and different programs and they were all on, on pathology and that's how I came here. And so for those uh, who don't know, me and Dr. Gomez, we did residency together. <laughs> she was my work sis. Hey, y'all. It was, uh, <laughs> it was really nice, actually. We all had, it was four of us together. We all had different backgrounds. And coming to like a, like a residency of that size, you know, you, d- you don't know who your classmates are going to be, your, your, your fellow residents. And so it's like, Hopefully we all get along at the least. Um, but no, nah, we made it work. It was amazing. It was, it was perfect. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for anything, really. Um, we yes, got a yeah. great class and we went to a good uh, residency program. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we have exposure to everything, even though it's like some more program. It's not a right. all the programs in the States. We got exposure to everything. And I, by the time we... Mm-hmm finish i feel like i was prepared to compare with people graduated from bigger programs right you know i guess to follow that up in terms of another question are there any is there any advice that you would have for applicants as well in terms of looking for programs in general like doesn't matter if it's bigger or smaller um like what was your thought process when you were looking for residency you feel like you have to apply to everything and you have uh have sets you back. Um, you cannot be how they say it, that picky of saying like, "Oh, I'm not going to this area like for geographication right now," because mm-hmm. us are with you compared to people that is, don't need like a visa or they have like a different immigration status. I think it is it's different. So you have to apply and you have to accept every single interview that comes to your email. And then um, when it comes to the size of the program, um, I think for residency, it will depend on what you wanna do after. If you're decided, right when you start, you know what type of fellowship you wanna do, what type of job you wanna dedicate yourself, you wanna do academics, or you wanna do a really competitive fellowship, it will be better to go to a program, if you got the opportunity, of course, um, to a program that has that a specific fellowship or where you got exposure to that that many specimen of the area you want. In my case, I knew I wanted to do OB guide, but at that time I didn't think it was gonna be so competitive. And it wasn't until I got into the residency program where I realized, well, maybe I don't have that much exposure to um, OB guide specimens. But for the residency, you need to take the boards on everything, right? So you have to be prepared for everything anyway. But mm-hmm. if you had the choice to pick between one program, like small program, or big program, and the program you want to, I mean, you can choose a program that has a fellowship you want. That would be so much easier because you know, like maybe I wouldn't say like 90% of the case, but if you got more than 50% chances that they're going to steal. Well, they still want you to stay there. Like they want their residents to continue doing fellowship. So that will save you time. And it's better to stay uh, another one year, like another two years in your same program instead of having to go for interviews and traveling to move to another city and stuff. That will depend on what you want to do. 
after you finish residency. Let's transition into, uh, you brought it up about visa issues. Can you talk more about that? So for, for international students, you have two choices, I believe, when it comes specifically to studying here. You can use a type of visa that it's like exchange visa where you come and you have to be enrolled on uh, a program. It's a, I don't know, it could be residency, medical, not medical, whatever. It just has to be proven that you're studying here. Other type of visa will be the H visa where you have to study, but after three or four years, you're allowed to apply. I, I'm not sure and I'm not like an immigration lawyer. I don't know anything much of what I've heard before. But after three or four years, you can apply for a green card. And then after that, you can become a citizen. So the difference between two, the two of them is like with the first one, which is like the like easier to get, is that after you finish your residency, you have to go back to your country because you're they basically giving you the visa saying you, you're coming to study and then go back to your country. Well, with the other one is like, you can stay later until later if you find a job, if you find a sponsor. So if someone wants to hire you, you can stay under that visa and that will be okay. But with the other type of visa, you need to return. Oh, there are other ways where you can try to stay longer. I mean, those are your choices. Either uh, go back to the country. There are many people that wants to just um, get the experience and studying here, learn stuff from here, and they go back to their country, either because they have family or friends or they can, if it's pathology, they have like people they can work on the lab or they know people from medical school and they know they can offer them a good job. But for other countries, they're not like good economically or politically, like in my case. Mm-hmm. It's not a that's not a good choice. I mean, that's not the main choice to have to go back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's complicated, and I I really hope that everything changes in the future, and they're giving mm-hmm. like more opportunities to international students. So can you tell us the process? I remember during residency, you would have to go um, to an embassy to do the visa renewal status. Um, can you explain more about that too? Yeah, with the ty- this type of visa, you it, they only give you for each academic year. So if the program lasts four years, they want to make sure that you're actually going to stay here the four years doing that. Or if you're doing another residency, three years, five years, whatever, they won't give you, uh, usually they won't. For some exceptions, they will, but usually they want to give it to you for per academic year. So each mm-hmm. academic year, they give you a new DS form, which is like a form given by every year GME office will uh, issue a new form. And with that form, you if you want to leave the country to go to back home for vacation or any other place outside the U.S., you will need to go through an, you, um, to an embassy, a U.S. embassy every year with that form saying like, hey, I still doing this residency and they will give you the visa they will renew the visa for you uh well they have the right to say no we don't want you to renew that from some from some countries i heard people that go back home for vacation to visit their family and they are denied um Mm. to 
to come back to the U.S. So they didn't, they are not even allowed to finish their residency or anything with no explanation, just snow. And um, it's really sad. It's a scary at some points. It makes you realize like if you want to, you want to risk yourself to going outside for a vacation instead of staying inside the U.S. Even though you're legal, your immigration status is a is legal. It's not illegal, but sometimes, um, for with some countries there are some restrictions. So they advise um the people from EC ECFMG. ECFMG will advise you, especially during COVID time, do not leave the country. So. Mm-hmm. So I, we, we're talking about women's health, and I wanted to bring up the fact that last year, you know, congratulations to you, you, you were you're pregnant, you had your first son, and I remember you were just about like eight months pregnant and still grossing, and the, the, pen, the COVID pandemic was just like in its early stages. I, can I get your, your honest thoughts about pregnancy during residency, fellowship, or any time um, throughout the throughout the academic process. Yeah, but sure. Um, mm-hmm. So for medicine, no matter what type of residency or what type of job you're doing, um, you're always told like you cannot get pregnant. You there's no it's not there's won't ever be a right time to start a family. Um, you always have boards coming. You always have a tests that you have to take. There's always interviews. So there, this is a thing like, oh, you cannot go to interviews, like looking pregnant because people is going to be like, oh, they're going to have a child. They won't have enough time or dedication to work. Or they're going to ask for days off to spend the day with a baby if it's sick or something like that, which is understandable. But if other jobs and other careers, um, women are allowed, like openly talk about pregnancy, there's always this thing on medicine where you're not supposed to do it. Or well, I feel like, I mean, I feel like that was kind of the boat I was. I, I was, you were always so afraid to ask someone, um, if, is, is it okay? When is the right time? Even during residency, they will be like, oh no, your first years is way, way more important. You have time to prepare yourself. And then your second year gets easier, but you are still adapting. And then your third year, you have to go to residence, uh, to interviews to get your fellowship. So in my mind, it was like, when is the right time then? Because then you start fellowship. And fellowship, people would be like, oh, you can have ask for sick days to have a baby. Because um, it's not like you're sick. You're having a baby. And postpartum, it's, and usually they will give you between four and six weeks. And if you want to take more than that, it's unpaid. Um, so you are the two choices. So either going back to your job, being miserable because you want, you miss your child, you want to be with them, but you need the money or you can stay at home, but not receiving any payment back. So it's a really, it's a really delicate, it's really complicated situation. And I really hope that in the future they can adapt some, um, some ways and some measurements that they do in other countries where you're allowed to have at least three months or six months, which are the most important for, you know, for development of a child, a baby. Um, and then they can have people cover you and you can have parts. With this COVID thing, we realize that we can do 
so much work from home. There's so many things that we can do from our houses with a computer. So I think mm -hmm. that I really hope and think that those things will be changing. I don't know how quick that will apply for medicine specifically, but um, at least for other jobs, it will be like that. And during COVID, it, it was so hard, especially because when I was pregnant, it was eight months pregnant. My baby's an April baby. So COVID started at least in the U.S. Um, around February or March. So it was uncertain if we needed to go to our job, if we needed to still, you know, get reunited and do lectures together in big groups. So they started doing Zoom and they're like, should we go there? And it was too risky. But they say like, oh, there are no risks for pregnants or, or ones that are breastfeeding. But there were no cases. And then after that, after a few months, then it came out like, well, they're going to develop the vaccine and everything. So it was a really hard time, uh, not only for pregnant women, but I feel for everyone because no one, no one knew what to do. Um, but it's scary because you're carrying a baby with you, and it's like you want to do the best for him, and but you also want to do the best for your job, and you don't want to be seen like a lazy person or someone that's taking advantage of the situation. But thank God it worked out amazingly. Um, I got. I have really blasted in at least in the residency that we were at. They were really, they understood the situation. Was really flexible. I feel really bad for places where that's not a choice, and I think it will change in the future. No, really. Thank you for bringing that up and talking more about it. Those conversations either don't happen or they do, but it's left source aside. And then, right, it's not fair um, that you have to be put in this delicate situation in order to like, what's the best for you, your career, and then what's best for your family, and then juggle all that in a matter that, you know, that... that and you don't have to be forced yeah. to choose. You don't have to be mm -hmm. uh, forced to or you can either be you have or you want to keep your job like you don't you shouldn't have to be in that situation where you have to choose one you know so mm -hmm. i feel like they will have to be a little like more flexible and people yeah. you know babies will grow up eventually and they will have to go to kindergarten and everything it's not like the end of the world but it should be a pause and in that time should be respected for for you know for bond bonding of the baby and the mom and to go back a bit you, you did say you brought up the you brought up about that like there's never a perfect time what it, did you think that um it was a great um to have a baby i'll say that to have a baby go ahead <laughs> yes so we thought about it and of course during my first year it, it was overwhelming you're I mean, it's a new city, new people. We just moved and we were like, well, maybe it's it's not the right time. Let's do it through the residency. Let's see how I like everything. And then when I got into my second year and I got more in confidence with, um, with you know, the attendance, the coordinator, I saw how they approachable they were and how flexible they were with other uh, previous residents. Um, so I felt like, hey, it's, it's going to do it. it. It won't be a right time to do it. But um, it was 
I, I really gave it like 20, 20 or more minutes of thoughts every single day mm-hmm. until it finally happened. And I'm glad. I think it was it was the right time. Like it was COVID time, so I was pl- waiting for the right time, and the COVID came. So see, there's no right time to do it. And I mean, now congratulations again because you're. <laughs> Baby, yeah. Like it took me like a, a gunkle twice for those who don't know. Twice, yeah. <laughs> we, we we got away our first one. We we always knew that we wanted more child, and then mm-hmm. after we got our first baby, um, we said, you know what? Let's do it. It's he will have company, and it's better to do it while you have the energy, and we are energetic. We don't sleep anyway, so why not to do it right now? Yeah, and and did you, do you still hold that, um, what you were saying earlier, like there's no perfect time. You just, it, it it's what you and the family wants, and you just go for, which I want. Yes, yes, definitely. Like uh, with my first pregnancy, as I told you, it's, it was more like afraid. It was like, you know, there's this thing like, what are they gonna think about it? Um, what are they gonna? say or maybe they're gonna almost like punish you you know make you do like double work when you come back and then realize that what that wasn't the case and say yeah you know what you're that's all you get in life um your family at least at least the the ways i I was raised so you you won't have to stop your life for for jobs and opportunities like they they should accept it and if you're not being mean to anyone else and you're not screwing anyone else um mm-hmm. i think it's it's acceptable so i know and then it, it was you know during that time like last year it was like what you were saying a little bit earlier about like you had you know you had your baby but like in terms of exposing him outside um i remember saying hi to him through the window but like it was because of of being of protection for him and for y'all as well too while I was like giving like y'all some toilet paper <laughs> I brought along the way because for some reason toilet paper was the first thing to to leave shelves um, oh my god shower, yeah I remember so. that day oh my god it was awful <laughs> and then y'all had to go and get more toilet paper too it was crazy um so it yeah it was crazy it was like it was like gold during that time it was it was awful. So I remember during residency, there were times where uh, I I was really horrible at this, but wanted to learn Spanish, and that was like on my bucket list because uh, um, Spanish I learned was horrible. And I remember at times you would you would give me advice like you know this is the way <laughs> you would say it. Um, but the the question I have is in general, do you feel like there is situations or times like outside your house where you are f- where you feel like you have to speak English um and not just because that's the like like a the language but just like you feel like if you speak Spanish you get different looks oh yeah definitely um even you have to be careful when you talk in Spanish like the things you say like there are some words that people w- would misunderstood and they'll think it like you meant to be like bad or something so at that mm-hmm. point we just try to speak in English outside first because you avoid the looks of the people like dodging you and mm-hmm. secondly mm-hmm. like 
I mean, personally, I've seen so many videos or situations of people, not not even like uh, Latin people, uh, it's actually people that they were born and raised in here, but they know another language and they will talk in another language. And people from here, um, they will look at them and say like, hey, that's not the language you speak in here, you should speak English. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to encounter a situation where I have to explain myself to someone else when I'm speaking another language. So mm -hmm. in case, well, for that case, I will have to avoid, I, I avoid it every single day. And it yeah. shouldn't be like that. You should be encouraged to talk the language you want to talk whenever you want to, as, as long as you're not hurting anyone or insulting anyone. Um, but I, I mean, we have seen so many situations that we are here, so many things that we don't want to be, you know, living that so we just avoided okay. even even at work like we have um well in our residency program there are so many like people that also speak my same language i, I will never talk to them in another language in front of other people because you don't want to you want to other people to think that you're either excluding them or talking about them so that's something that it's in my case i, I try to avoid well, thank you so much, Mariangela Gomez, for coming on. Sis, mwah, mwah, love you. Uh, do you have any final words that you have for the audience? Thank you so much to you for inviting me. Um, I have so many words to you. I don't know if it's going to touch anyone in specific. I just want to just be nice. Um, be nice to the people that are surrounding you. Do you know? what issues people is having um the covid has been so hard for everyone there are people that haven't had be able to see their families in so long they haven't maybe they lose their job maybe they're going through a situation that it's awful so just be nice breathe and just respect everyone that's all i will say <laughs> thank you hi again friends well this is it for today's episode Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the Resifying Map Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope to see you soon.